Welcome to Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art. I'm Chris Kreitcho. And I'm Stephen Carradine. And today we're going to talk about this ginormous kerfuffle that has just happened on the internet where a bunch of celebrities' selfies, naked selfies, have been leaked. And we're going to come at this from the angles of how we should think about this kind of behavior from the perspective of the leakers, what we should think about it as individuals and maybe as celebrities in particular in terms of how we behave with our own technology, and then broadly what these things say about the human condition and where we should go from here. Yeah, so it's generally speaking, there were a lot of celebrities that this happened to, but the face of this has been Jennifer Lawrence, who before you know, people hacked into iCloud, supposedly, we don't know if that's true or not. Before people hacked into iCloud and stole naked pictures of her, there were no naked pictures of her anywhere um, in film or in video or in print um, or on the Internet. Um, And so, you know, Jennifer Lawrence was generally regarded as an extremely classy actress and that she didn't, um, you know, devolve or de, you know... um, didn't pander to audiences that wanted to see her naked. So she's been the face of this particular streak or leak um, because it's a novelty. Um, It's unfortunate. It's an invasion of privacy and a variety of other things that we're going to talk about. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate all the way around because to quote the internet, what is seen cannot be unseen. (laughs) What is on the internet cannot be removed from the internet, no matter how hard anyone tries. One of the things that's happened along the way in this is a lot of screaming about iCloud or other similar backups. iCloud has been the focus of this one because everyone in this case seems to have been, well, that's not true. A number of the highest profile, including Jennifer Lawrence, yes. seem to have been iCloud users. And the suggestion is that these photos were compromised because they were selfies, etc. she had taken on her iPhone that were then backed up via the automatic iCloud backup. Now, automatic iCloud backup is really, really wonderful most of the time because it means that if you take a picture, it's going to get synced to the rest of your devices. And that's really handy. When I take a picture of my little girls doing something cute, it means it's super easy for me to have it on my computer and do things with it there and share it there. It also means that I'm unlikely to lose things, that as long as there's been a fairly short time between me taking that picture and accidentally dropping my phone in the pool, most likely all of the pictures that I've taken are going to be somewhere else. This is, in some sense, the promise of the cloud, of the connected device age, where the things we do on one device are immediately available everywhere else, they're backed up so we don't lose them if something happens to one device. These are generally considered to be good things. The but. problem arises. <laughs> the problem arises when you've got clashing ideas of privacy and integration. So, the internet wants to run towards total integration. Everything is available to you via the internet, and the internet is "quote unquote" safe to do this on. Uh, we know that this is not true because there are bad actors everywhere, and so the internet is not a hundred percent safe for your data, your pictures, whatever. You know, whether it's credit card numbers being stolen, healthcare information being stolen, social security numbers being stolen. These are things that happen on the internet because the internet is not 100% safe. So the tension lies then in this promise that 
everything you do is safe and will will not be lost forever and everything that you do is potentially hackable and accessible by anyone you know some of these these tools i've seen suggested that uh, the brute force hacking was done with a python app i mean you could be 14 years old and do that i mean mm-hmm. that is not something that takes you know a massive amount of technical know-how if you just have you know some python skills and you know some massive computing power and there you go um so what do we do with this tension where there's people who want to keep all of their life safe and synced and then there are people who want to make everything accessible whether or not you like it or not <laughs> right and and people coming at it hacking from technical perspectives people coming at it hacking from a sociological perspective because the other half of this seems to be the quote fishing unquote side of it where people are using personal information to get at you know security questions and so on that you put those two factors together and most everyone is hackable even when you're doing your best not to be even if you're using a password manager even if you delete all your browser sessions even if you use a vpn everywhere you go you're probably still hackable by the NSA, if nobody else. Um, And so we live with this tension of wanting, as you said, wanting everything to be safe in the backed up sense, but also wanting things to be safe in the only available to me and the people with whom I choose to share them sense. And these two kinds of safety are inherently in conflict with each other. I would say say in tension with each other because they're not always in outright conflict with each other no but from a from a technical like an implementation standpoint there are things that pull in opposite directions and that's true the the more secure something is the more difficult it is to make it accessible and safe right and the more accessible something is the less secure it is almost by definition you know you can turn on two-factor authentication where you have to get a text message to your phone or pull up an app on your phone to give you a code to log in and do things but that gets annoying and takes a lot of time after a while uh right and you can encrypt everything everywhere all the time but then you have to decrypt it if you want to access so those two things are always kind of pulling in opposite directions accessibility and uh, and that's a that's an interesting point. Accessibility of the data is also different from just having it backed up somewhere because you can do a secure backup and a safe encryption encrypted backup and that not necessarily be in as much tension with security. But having them accessible somewhere else, that almost immediately runs into it. Right. So that's the technical side of things that there's definitely a tension there, perhaps a conflict. On the sociological side of things, hacking is kind of this black box that's impenetrable. Often, hacking is mostly too completely anonymous. It is kind of like a virus in that it just it appears, you didn't know it was coming, and then you just have it, um, and then it's part of your life. And so there's not a lot of warning. There's not a lot of, you know, signs that this is something that's going to happen to you and that is very difficult to get rid of the effects mm-hmm. um, and I mean a human virus not a computer virus although a computer <laughs> virus is modeled after a human virus so similar in both respects um, so it's it's an interesting conundrum from a sociological side as well that there's not an easy way to 
quote-unquote stop hackers, um, partially because the definition of hacking is you know, different to every person, and the definition of what is acceptable social behavior is vastly different according <laughs> to every person, as we are seeing with this particular event. So on Reddit and 4chan and Imgur, these three corners of the internet where the uh, pictures first appeared and then proliferated and then have been talked about, they have a whole name for this event, and they have sharing conventions that have come up over this event and a small economy. Like, this has become something that's a generally accepted part of the way that they do business, which in any other corners of the internet, that's not the way that this has gone down. Like, there's this is not an event that inspires group cooperation and goodwill. Whereas <laughs> yeah. in, in 4chan and Reddit and in Imgur, there is there are some detractors, of course, but in general, like this has its own discrete specific name as an event and it's a thing. Right. And and not in the bad way. <laughs> right. They're they're it it they're taking it as a oh, this is a good thing. When in reality, as a number of commentators have put it, this is essentially a sex crime. This is, you know, taking someone's private sexuality sexuality and exposing it to the public i mean it's essentially to invent a word it's pornographying these women and one of the re reasons the response has been the way it is on reddit and 4chan etc is because these are communities where pornography is not only accepted but lauded and glorified in a lot of ways 4chan famously essentially exists oh for pornography and in many cases pornography of the most degraded sorts um, although to be fair they do police themselves on child pornography yeah <laughs> they have strong incentives to do that called getting thrown in jail if they don't but hey, there are there are deep corners of the internet where that <laughs> yes. is still not a thing yes so. that is um, but the, uh, the, the response has been in line in some ways with what you would expect with communities where pornography is glorified and women are regularly treated in degrading ways. It's, uh, it has been an interesting coincidence in timing that this has come up at the same time as the gaming community has exploded in some really awful behavior toward women. Unsurprising, not unusual, etc. But what we've seen here is that you know, in communities where degrading attitudes toward women and objectifying attitudes toward women are... Whether they be actual pornography or video depictions of women right. in compromising situations, like has been shown throughout the discourse about video game communities recently. Right. What, regardless of where that... What, what kind of degradation it is, we're seeing that communities where that happens, well... When a situation comes up that proves degrading to Jennifer Lawrence or whomever else, the response is, sweet, let me go look at these pictures instead of, oh, dear God, this is horrible. And the response should be, oh, dear God, this is horrible, because this is an enormous violation of these women's privacy. Now, this leads us to the bigger question of, you know, can you expect privacy in the Internet age, etc.? And, and we're going to get there in a minute. But, but first and foremost, that should be the response, not... Let me go look at these pictures. Yeah. And Chris and I do not look at pornography, so we haven't even seen these pictures. Like, this is not a situation where, you know, the pot is calling the kettle black here. Like, we don't look at any pornography. 
Um, but what is interesting about this is, you know, whereas the video game community is is largely a conversation about what a collective identity means and who gets to be involved in that collective identity, things like this are are not about a collective identity in the same way. They're more about a, a self-preservation or a self-collecting of, you know, titillation or right. those sorts of things. Like, so there are base similarities in that both of them have to deal with degrading women, but we're not putting gamers and uh, Jennifer Lawrence hackers on the same level. Like, that's not what we're doing here. Yeah, that's an important clarification. What we're saying is that when people are base and degrading towards women, certain attitudes proliferate and they can uh, be manifested in many different ways. Um, so, you know, we're not saying that they're porn hackers, but there are people who are um, you know, have to be contacted by the authorities because they're threatening female gamers and coders. So we're not giving you a free pass, but we're not also saying that you're doing this thing you're not doing. Right. To say that both of these things are bad and have similar root problems is not to say that they are the same. And that's exactly. an important distinction. Exactly. So back to the Jennifer Lawrence hacking pornography thing. The way that we deal with pornography is largely either acceptance or celebration or social shaming, which you might say, hey, that's how we deal with anything. <laughs> um, but there seems to be a larger amount of all three of these things going on um, in, you know, religious communities. There is great animosity towards pornography, even while there are people, many people who engage in it. And so there's a lot of shame there, which is social shaming. There's a lot of people who are pro-pornography and say it's fine and healthy. There's a lot of people who just kind of imagine that it doesn't exist. This is something that's very important to a lot of people and requires a lot of energy. Even ignoring it requires a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's an important thing that we should be talking about this, particularly in relation to people like Jennifer Lawrence, who, while they are public figures and they have private sexualities, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have public sexualities. Right. And so, you know, this is as I said earlier, something that cannot be unseen for Jennifer Lawrence. And so we have to deal with the fact that now Jennifer Lawrence has pornography out there on the Internet that she did not want out there. And people are celebrating this, even though there are bad reasons to do that. This is a very difficult conundrum to deal with. There's there's essentially nothing that can be done technically right. Right. in in this particular situation to, you know, er, eradicate this potential problem like these these images what i mean by potential problem so what we can what we can do i guess is deal with how we view jennifer lawrence um and to what i've read there hasn't been a lot of victim blaming for jennifer lawrence um, as a person but there has been a lot of victim blaming in terms of how we deal with privacy in the digital era. Mm -hmm. The real issue here is, you know, as we started out talking, at, at some point you just have to come to terms with the reality that if you, this is, an, this is a horrid situation, but if you do something, the likelihood is it can be, well, 
the guarantee is it can be hacked. And the more famous you are, the more likely it is that you will be hacked. And this is one of those situations where we run up with another tension, which is to say, you're not a horrible person for having had private pictures, nor even for having had them in a backup, nor any of this. This isn't Jennifer Lawrence's fault. But that doesn't mean that we can't still say and ought not still say, yeah, you've got to be aware that there are these possible consequences. And the people who did this are behaving wretchedly and not to put a too fine a point on it they're behaving wickedly but we live in a world where people do wicked things and to to fail to grapple with the fact that people may do wicked things and that the more high profile you are the more likely they are to do that is simply to embrace naivete as a way of life and that's that's not a good plan uh again that's not to blame the people to whom this has happened But it is to say that going forward, we have to just, I mean, I have to teach my daughters as they grow up, look, you have to be aware that if you do these things, there is likely going to be costs that look like this. And that doesn't mean that it's okay that those costs exist, and it doesn't mean that we're excusing those costs. It doesn't mean we're excusing the people behaving in really, really awful ways. It just means that you have to expect that there are people who are going to behave in awful ways in the world. Right. And so it's difficult to hold those intention to say you have a right to do whatever you want in private and you have a responsibility to yourself to know that everything you do in private, if you record it, is potentially out in the universe. Right. And this is a this is a thing that we haven't had to really grapple with, you know, since the well before the Internet there was a much higher expectation that things in private stayed in private. Now, we know that isn't true because we can go back and look at all manner of scandals that came out to light because dirt dirt rises. But in general, if you weren't doing anything illegal, there was a general expectation that things you did in private stayed in private. That's not true anymore. Right. Um, especially if you record it. You know, that's just the way of the world. And so it's difficult to handle on the left hand. Yes, you have all the rights that you want. You are there's nothing wrong about taking pictures of yourself clothed or unclothed. Um, You can do whatever you want now. Well, unless you're under 18, then there is something something illegal about that, Um, which which Michaela Maroney's pictures were illegal, which that's super bad for everyone involved. On the other hand. it's also going to be possible that those pictures get out into the universe. And so holding those intention and not rushing towards one or the other extreme Mm -hmm. is really difficult. And so it's easy for some people to say, look, everything that you say that we have to prepare ourselves is victim blaming. Right. But it's not. And it's easy. But it's not. And it's easy to say, on the other hand, that, you know, you're a moron if you use cloud backups for really sensitive data which you're you're not not. no it's it's both of these things are real and true you know and if you've been a parent you you have to grapple with these things all the time you know there there are things that you wish just weren't the way they are but you have to teach your children the way they actually are right um you know and so that's one of the difficulties that we have to encounter when we we think about this issue is that a lot of people want to take one stance or the other, and it's not. It no. is truly both in this case. And and that's difficult because, you know, you have privacy. Uh, and then there's a third level of it as well that celebrities 
have less uh, expectation, should have less expectation of privacy, but should have the same amount, if not more, than everybody else. Right. And they, so, they should have the same right to privacy, but the unfortunate reality is they will have less. Yeah. And so, you know, some people might say, well, you get paid the big bucks. That's what you have to pony up for. And I don't think that's legitimate. Mm-mm. I think that's that's silly and, and wrong to say that your human status is um, upgraded or downgraded based on your bank account or n- amount of renown. And I think that's stupid. Uh but that's a thing. It, it exists in the world. And so that's a difficult tension that we have to deal with when we think about all of this. And so when we get down to the end of things, we say, what is the winning slowly perspective on this? How do we deal with this? You know, there's for our secular listeners, we don't have a lot of really good answers this time. We feel that the inherent problems of this situation are more or less spiritual problems. They are problems of the human condition and of the human heart, and we feel that those are best answered by religion and by Christianity. And, you know, we don't have any better answers than any of the smartest people commenting <laughs> in all of the the best, you know, magazines and, and websites. And, and they're all split and divided on the issue in the ways that we just talked about. Right. There's a, there's a sense in which we have, I mean, we can say, look, you can, you can hold these things in balance. You can recognize whoever you are that these costs exist and you can and should engage in the public shaming, so to speak, of those who engage in this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. And and you should, and we should all be seeking to make our public sphere and our private spheres places where women are not treated degradingly, are not mm-hmm. disregarded, etc. But as Stephen and I look around, we're seeing a lot of screaming that isn't pretty. I mean, the reality is, as, as unpopular a stance as this may be in a lot of ways, secular feminism has done some really, really good things. But there are a lot of corners of the internet that it's not touching at all, and that I don't think it ever can or will touch, because the real and corners of the internet here really are standing in for corners of the human heart because all the internet does is enable us all to find other people with our particular quirks as beautiful as that is it's also a horrible thing because it it lets us find people who indulge in the same kinds of sinful patterns and behaviors that we like and validates us in that and the ultimate solution to that is not going to be merely shaming people maybe you'll find a way to persuade them to go hide in that corner instead of this corner but they're not going to go away and they're not going ultimately to change things the i mean the final takeaway as steven said here is we don't see any hope for purely secular solutions fixing this the the things that and have this, to change are i mean they're human hearts that have to change right and, and we right that's what i was about to say we we basically and and essentially affirm that what changes human hearts is a transformative encounter with jesus christ as risen lord of everything and that's that's not at all palatable to a secular audience in some ways but we just don't think you're going to fix this by trying the same things that have been tried and have been tried and have been tried and you know granting fully that conservative christians have not always done so well in terms of honoring the dignity of women 
that yeah that's an issue and a, a weakness of our movement so <laughs> say that straight no. out here of a a movement i right. don't think i would call it our movement right or my movement but um i when i say our movement i just mean broadly conservative christians um sure, sure. uh so that's an area where we need to grow but i think the resources are there in the gospel in christ saying come one and all neither neither jew nor gentile neither male nor female neither slave nor free here that's the ground and resource of hope is for people transformed by that into loving their neighbors as themselves it's not by just one more set of attempts to shame which don't again they're not changing things uh maybe right. they're making making it more palatable in certain public discourse but this stuff right. is still happening and it's going yeah. to keep happening that's the that's the biggest thing is it doesn't matter how loud you scream until there's real radical alteration of these people's hearts this stuff is going to keep happening right and that's depressing it really is but that's why Chris and I believe the way we believe is that looking at the reality of evil in the world, um, and it doesn't just have to be, you know, evil in the degradation of women. It can be evil on the scale of ISIS, which is far towering above mm -hmm. in the in the scale of of amount of evil per perpetrated on the world. It doesn't matter. Looking at evil is not something that Chris and I are willing or prepared to handle on our own. Um, and that's, that's why, um, I believe what I believe and that's why, um, I think Chris believes what we believe as well. Um, I'd also like to point out that this is, you know, the first episode of Winning Slowly where we have come to these, you know, these giant conclusions. Um, and I expect next week we'll probably talk about Doctor Who or something. <laughs> it, 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 this is, we won't end up at this sort of place. Um, we're not about to pull a bait and switch on everyone who's listening. So don't, don't worry about that. We just found that after discussing this particular topic, that there was no way we could deal with it realistically without saying, people are bad, y'all. You know who figured that out? <laughs> yeah. And I think our big takeaway at a very pragmatic level today is just you have to know in terms of your own decision making and in terms of how you teach your family that anything you do that's in the cloud, that's on your phone, et cetera, there's a very real chance it will end up public in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And you have to deal accordingly. And for the dark side corners of the internet where this is not only accepted, but lauded behavior, I mean, honestly, as Christians, I think we ought to pray for them and mm -hmm. pray for redemption there and pray mm -hmm. for, as crazy as it seems, there to be reconciliation there and... Mm -hmm going forward just try to engender an expectation that this is not okay and that we do want to see change but also recognize where change comes from yeah and christians are tempted to fall into secular traps of of fixing the world through politics or money or anything just as much as as non-christians so let us not fall into that trap once again indeed so all of our content is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution license. You can do with it whatever you like, therefore. Just say that you got it from us. Uh, the song is not our content. It is Remedy's content. So go check out Remedy's new EP. And don't use their music without telling them. 
You can follow us on app.net, Twitter, or Facebook, and subscribe on iTunes. And hey, we'd love it if you gave us a nice rating and review if you like what we're up to out there on iTunes. Until next time, I have been Chris Kreitcho. And I am and will be Stephen Caradini. Thanks for listening. <laughs>